Oh, yeah. Load up those forever stamps. Good morning. I'm, uh, I'm grateful that you're here. I'm blessed that you're here. Um, last week, we kicked off the new year by thinking about the gospel as a revolution. Viva la revolucion! It is a revolution, is it not? We talked about the difference between a, a, a wait, a, the difference between a resolution and a revolution. Okay, so they're, they're so similar. Let me make sure I'm getting them right. A resolution has to do with your actions. It's something that you do. Like I'm going to eat better this year. A revolution is something deep down. It changes the way that you think and feel about something. A revolution is is it, it upends what was before, and it's internal. A revolution starts in your heart. And that's what the gospel is. Amen? Is it something that's deep down inside us? The gospel isn't, well, I'm going to become a Christian and I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to do the things that Jesus says that we should do. That is not the gospel. And that is not being a Christian. The gospel is something that happens in your heart. It happens in your soul it happens deep down within you, and it changes everything about you. It changes who you are, your very nature. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to rescue you from yourself and give you life in him. That's revolutionary because it changes how you think and how you feel. It changes your priorities and your values. The gospel is a revolution, and it's the beginning of the year. And it feels like a good time to commit ourselves to new things, to getting back on track. How, what do we want this year to be like? I want this year to be like Jesus. I want myself to be like Jesus this year. And so as we begin the new year, as we head into 2020, and now we're two weeks into 2020, I want us to make this year starting off on track, on the right trajectory, lined up with who Jesus is and what the gospel wants for us, starting way deep down in here and what we want and what we desire, where our passion is, what our affection is about. I want us to want Jesus, amen? I want us to want other people to want Jesus, amen? That's the revolution. That's the gospel. And last week we talked about Jesus, and he was talking about uh, your heart and money and the connection between the two. And the crazy thing is that in Matthew 6, Jesus taught us how to love him more. How do you love Jesus more? And it's about using your money to invest yourself in what God is doing. You can love Jesus more if you invest more in Jesus. And I use the example of the Seahawks. Do you remember I said, if you, if you sold everything and you invested half, 50% of everything that you have, of your total value, that the Seahawks would win the game last week, you all of a sudden would start caring a lot about the Seahawks, right? Because if you had invested everything in the Seahawks winning this game, you care. All of a sudden, you, you get, a, you get a, a news alert on your phone or your newspaper or whatever, and... Uh, it says that Quandre Diggs is injured for the Seahawks, and you have no idea who that is, but all of a sudden you care. 
But guess what? The Seahawks won. The Seahawks won. You did a good job. Thank you. Um, but we talked about that last week, and that if you set your money on the things of God, your heart will follow. You can love Jesus more. You can love what's going on in the church more. You can love the announcements. You can hear something like, the women are having an event. You go, yeah! What if somebody here invites a friend, a lady friend, to come to the Jammies Junk in a movie, and they find fellowship, and they find friends? And what if that person comes back to church on a Sunday and, and stands here among us and says, what are these people singing about? What are these people so happy about? Why do these people have such hope and joy? And what if that lady gives her life to Jesus at this church? Praise the Lord. That's why we do this. That's why we have movies, and that's why we have ministries and leaders, and that's why we have Sunday service. That's why we do it. That's everything. And if you invest in what God is doing here, you will love it more. You'll love it more. But that was last week. Honestly, and you could probably tell, I would preach that sermon four or five times in a row if I didn't think I'd get caught. But you probably would notice you're probably noticing right now. This sounds a lot like what he said last week. It is. I'm just recapping. So let's not forget that. Last week was a very practical lesson from Jesus about, his, about how to love him, how to set your heart on him more and more and more, how to love what Jesus is doing in this world. That was last week. So let's not forget about that, but let's also move on because there, are, there were two passages that were really on my heart while I was thinking about how to kick off the new year. One was last week. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we're trying to engage our hearts on this revolution, make our hearts lined up with the gospel. Where your, heart, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. The other passage that God kept putting on my mind was the one for this morning. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're going to talk about that this morning. If you have a Bible, open it to Luke chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 43. If you're using the red Bibles under the chairs, it's on page 863. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again... Does a bad tree bear good fruit? For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. It's important to understand that this passage, this teaching, comes uh, at the end or toward the end of, uh, of Jesus' first big teaching block in Luke's gospel. It's Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon of, on the Mount, by its very nature, is revolutionary. Jesus is coming on the scene. He's, he's got people following him. He's finally got a multitude around him. And here's what he tells people. 
He tells people, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the sad. That's not normal. That's revolutionary. That's completely different from what we normally think. Woe to people who are beloved by everyone. Normally, we think if someone's very popular and everyone speaks well of them, that that's good. Wow, I, you know, I would love to be him. I would love to be her. Everyone has good things to say about him. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about that person. Jesus says, that's a horrible place to be. Woe to you when people have nothing but good things to say about you. It's, it, it, the whole thing is being turned upside down. He says, love your enemies. He says, pray for those who abuse you. He says, give to everyone who begs from you. If someone takes your shirt, give them your jacket too. And stop judging other people. You've got enough stuff going on in your own life. These values go completely against what we would normally think and feel. And then right after that, right after Jesus got, gets done saying that love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and, 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 and love the people who are abusing you and, and stop judging other people. You've got, you think, you know, you're looking at your neighbor and you're like, oh, you've got something in your eye, but you've got a log sticking out of your own eye. Fix your own eye before you start looking at other people's eyes, okay? Stop looking at people's eyes. And then he says this, this passage for this morning. He says, you can't do that. These things that I'm telling you to do, you can't do it. You can't love being poor. You can't love being hungry. You can't love being sad. You can't, you can't be sad for people who are popular and everyone loves. You can't pray for those who abuse you. You can't love your enemies. You can't give your jacket to someone who just stole your shirt. And you can't stop judging people unless your heart changes. Unless you start, you change the way that you feel about things. You have to change everything about how you process the world and your life and who you are. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. You can't live out the gospel unless your heart changes first. Jesus points back to the heart because, like a tree, you only produce what's in your nature. If I pull a lemon off a tree, what kind of tree is it? That's the whole point. That's what Jesus is saying. And guess what? As much as a lemon tree might want to make a grapefruit, it just can't. It just can't. If you find a grapefruit on a tree, what kind of tree is it? It didn't used to be a lemon tree, but Jesus, but Jesus promises for us that he will change our nature. Unlike a lemon tree that can't be anything else, we can become like Jesus through the gospel. If we give our lives to him and we commit ourselves to following him by faith, we trust in him and we, re we repent of who we are, we give ourselves to Jesus, he makes us born again. He gives us spiritually new life and we are a new thing. You can change your nature, not you, but Jesus can change your nature. And you can go from having, 
having, a, having bad treasure to having good treasure in your heart. And that's the thing that matters the most to Jesus. That's the thing that matters to Jesus out of all of the things that we can talk about. There is only one thing that matters. There's one thing that matters. What is going on in your heart? Jesus cares about your heart. Because you can, you can follow all of the teachings of the Bible, but if your heart's not with Jesus, Jesus says, people will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do things in your name and go, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. You can't just follow the things in the Bible. It is all about your heart. The gospel, this revolution is all about your heart. It's entirely about your soul. It is not about what you do. It is not about good works. It's not about helping people out. It's not about how much you know the Bible. It's not about how fast you can recite the books of the Bible. None of that matters if you don't have Jesus in your heart. None of it. You could go to church every week. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're still going to hell when you die. At Keenagers on Thursday, Dr. Cohn was speaking, and he said that some people have a church membership, but they don't have a God relationship. It's your heart that matters. It's your heart that matters to Jesus. He wants us to live the revolution, but it starts with your heart. And it's about whether or not Jesus Christ is the king of your heart. Because that's forgiveness. If Jesus is the king of your heart, that's forgiveness. That's salvation. That's the revolution. So when Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He was saying that your words are a key indicator of what's going on in your heart. Jesus cares about your words he cares most about your heart. So he points at your words to point at your heart. You can know what's happening in your heart. You can know about your relationship with Jesus by looking at your own words. Again, it's not about judging other people's words. That's the exact opposite of what Jesus just got done saying in his sermon. It's about looking at yourself looking deep within yourself and asking, is that Jesus inside me that is producing these things that come out of me? You only express what's true inside. So what's inside? Your words reveal what's happening in your heart, and that's really the, the main point of, of this passage, that your words show you what's happening inside you and who Jesus is to you. If your words are critical, if your words are demeaning and judgmental or negative, your heart isn't where Jesus wants it to be. If your words are fearful, it means your heart's not full of love. If you're quick to condemn people, your heart isn't full of forgiveness or compassion, or empathy, or grace. If your words carry rumor, gossip, and half-truths, 
your heart isn't full of the very truth of God who came as flesh and lived among us and offers us salvation. Your heart should be full of the gospel. Your heart should be full of good news. If you've given your life to Jesus and he he has come into your heart and he has given you the Holy Spirit and he is living inside you and you belong to him, you should be overflowing with the gospel. You should be gracious with your words. You should be loving with your words. Your words should be full of hope, not condemnation, not criticism, not negativity, but gospel, good news. You should be full of Christ's love. You should be overflowing with forgiveness. You should be quick to forgive people. Because Jesus was quick to forgive you. So does Jesus live in your heart? No other question is more important that we could ever ask. There is nothing more important that I could ever talk about, that we could ever discuss, There is nothing more important than does Jesus live in your heart? That's everything. It's everything. In Revelation 3, this is verse 19, Jesus says, Those whom I love, I correct and discipline. So love me and come back to me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. Does Jesus live in your heart? Or did you invite him over one time and then forget to give him the key? And he's standing on the porch waiting for you to actually let him in. Who has the keys to your life? Is it you or is it Jesus? That's everything. I'm asking you, Does Jesus live in your heart? Does Jesus own your soul? Logan, will you turn the lights off in the room? Just the house lights. Uh, Just follow me. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine your heart. I want you to imagine your soul. And I want you to imagine that it's a castle. Who owns that castle? Whose castle is that? Is that Jesus' castle? Is that your castle? If you look for Jesus, where is he? there? Is he running the show? Is he in charge? Is it his? Does he do whatever he wants there? Or is it yours? Does Jesus live in your heart? I'm not asking you if you invited him 
into your heart at one point. I'm not asking you if you know a lot about the Bible. I'm not asking you if you do good things or you try to help people. I'm not asking you if you were raised in the church or if, you're, if your parents were Christians. I'm asking you, is Jesus alive and running the show in your heart right now? Is it his? Do you belong to him? Do your words honor God? Does your attitude honor God? Are you struggling with a critical spirit? Are you struggling by being judgmental? Are you being selfish? Do you think about yourself? Do you put your comforts before the good of others? Do you put what you want in front of what's good for other people? I want us just to take a couple minutes with our eyes closed and just think about who Jesus is in your life. Because we've all sinned. None of us are perfect. But Jesus is faithful. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you will open it, I'll come in. This morning, if you need to open up, if Jesus is knocking, if you haven't let him all the way in, do it today. If there are pieces of your heart that you keep away from Jesus, let him in. Let the light of the gospel cleanse your soul. Confess your sins to Jesus. Let him see. Let him in. Let his words expose the sin in your life to his glory. And let him forgive you. Love him. And let him in. If you realize that Jesus is not on the throne of your heart right now, he is faithful. And I want you to commit yourself to following Jesus better this year, to living for him, to loving him, to loving like him. Repent. Turn your heart back to him. Give your life back to him. Tell him, Lord, it's yours. I'm yours. My words, they're yours. My life, it's yours. My, my car, it's yours. My family, it's yours. My finances, they're yours. God, everything is yours. I owe everything to you. I am yours, all of me. Make that commitment to Jesus right now, today. Turn your heart back over to him and commit yourself to living for him this year.
we're going to sing a song, maybe a song or two. If you want to come up front, let me rephrase that. If you've recommitted your heart to following Jesus, come up front. We're all going to stand here together as we sing. It's important for Jesus that you confess him before men. None of us are perfect. So if you've recommitted your life to being on track to following Jesus, if you've given him the keys to your heart, maybe for the thousandth time, but if you've given him those keys, come up here and we'll all stand together as we sing. If you're sitting in your seats and you just want to worship where you are, if you want to fall down on your knees, if you want to cry, if you want to lift your hands, if you want to hold hands with the people who are around you, this is what Jesus came to do, is to forgive you and give you new life, is to call you to a better way, to give you good news. And the good news is that even though we sin and we keep on sinning, he forgives us. Give your life to him. You lay it at his throne. He forgives you.
hold hands. If you're, if you're up here, if you want to hold hands, and if you're still sitting down, let me get a hand. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know what's happening in our hearts right now. God, you know that we're committed. You know we're going to fail. But you know that we're committed to you. That we owe everything to you. That we're not holding anything back. God, we are 100% on board with whatever it is that you're going to do in us, through us this year. God, challenge us. God, make us bold. Fill us with your love. Fill us with hope. Give us joy and push us out into the world knowing that we're going to be good emissaries for you, that we will be your ambassadors, that we will be the gospel in the world. God, thank you for never letting us go. God, thank you that the cross represents salvation and forgiveness, and forgiveness every time we come for it, forgiveness. Thank you, God, that we can go knowing that you've cleansed our hearts, that you've called us to be your people, and you're our God. In Jesus' name, amen. There really isn't anything that we can talk about that's more important than that. And how amazing is it that Jesus, Jesus came to die for our sins, and then he, he keeps forgiving us when we don't follow him. It's amazing. Like dying for our sins and then giving us new life is not enough because he knows that we're not going to be able to keep it. He knows that we, like Paul said, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. Why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? Oh, wretched man that I am, that Jesus would come and save me. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news is not about you. The good news is about Jesus. The good news is not just for you. The good news is going to come out of you. We don't hold on to it. It comes out. So if we can look back at the passage, uh, I'm going to get through the last four points so fast, you're not going to know what happened. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. With Jesus on the throne of your heart, with the Holy Spirit filling you with grace and love and forgiveness and compassion and righteousness, 
What kinds of things are going to come out of your mouth? Good things. Good treasure is what Jesus calls it. Quickly, there are four things the Bible says about what that good treasure looks like, what it sounds like. First, words from Jesus. If you've got Jesus in your heart, he's producing things in your life. Words from him are, number one, careful. Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. So Jesus does not allow for, oh, you just made a oops, oops. Every careless word matters. So be careful with what you speak. Think about how it's going to affect people. Think about how people could be hurt by what you're saying. Think about that. Be very careful, because words, sticks and stones will break my bones, and words hurt too, amen? Okay, number two. Words from Jesus are encouraging. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. This is uh, Paul writing in Ephesians. But only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Stop being so critical and judgmental and negative about everything. Don't let any corrupting talk, but only talk that's good for building up, for building up. That's what God produces in our hearts. He will convict you of your sin, but it's not your job to run around pointing out everything that's, that's not good, encouraging Your heart with Jesus full in your heart will produce good words, good words, encouraging words. Amen? Use your words to inspire people. And number three, words from Jesus are humble. Words from Jesus are humble. Do nothing, this is Paul writing in Philippians, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Jesus was born in the most humble of circumstances, uh, you know, in an outdoor barn. He was laid in an animal trough, and he became, or was at the moment, but really grew into and in his ministry. And now he's ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he says, the humble will be exalted, and the exalted will be humbled. We, as, as, as people who have filled our hearts with Jesus are going to have words that come out of us that are humble. Because we know we didn't earn this, amen? Because Jesus was humble, and he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So our words are going to be humble. They're not going to be about what we want, our selfish ambition. They're not going to be about us. We, in humility, are going to count others as more significant, more important than ourselves. If Jesus is in your heart, he is trying to produce those words out of you for you to to say things that are not about yourself, say things that are humble and serving and low. Count others more significant than yourselves. And number four, words from Jesus are saving. This is Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed. And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Words from Jesus are saving. 
That's the gospel. If Jesus is in your heart, if he is on the throne of your heart, and you're letting him remodel, you're going to let him gut the place and do whatever he wants with your life, with whatever he wants with your heart. These are the things that are going to start coming out of you. Careful words, encouraging words, humble words, and words that share the gospel. Words that share the good news that Jesus loves you even though you've done bad. Jesus still loves you and he wants to forgive you. You will tell people that. Maybe you don't know how. We're going to spend some time talking about that. But you will want to share the gospel if Jesus is on the throne of your heart. Amen? So we'll help you do that. Don't worry. But for right now, just work on embracing that as the mission. That this revolution, this gospel revolution, it starts in our hearts. If we give our hearts to Jesus, now we can have the revolution. Viva la revolucion! Uh, Lenny's back there like, I know that. Now we can do it. Now we can do it. So as we head into the new year, remember those two things. Last week, fall deeply, deeply in love with what Jesus is doing in the church. Invest in what he's doing. Put your money where you want your heart to be in eternal things that God is doing here in the church. Your heart will love it. And then make sure by checking your words that Jesus is king of your life. And if you catch yourself saying stuff that does not honor Jesus, if you catch yourself with a bad attitude and it's coming out in public, in private, on Facebook, with your friends, when you're on the phone, wherever it is, if you catch yourself saying things that are not becoming of Jesus Christ, that are not becoming of the cross, stop and repent and Jesus will forgive you. That's our commitment for this year is to have our hearts set on Jesus. Amen? Amen. To gauge our words and go back to our hearts and make sure that our hearts are set on Jesus and the gospel. 2020, it's all about the gospel. Amen? Amen? It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's about others. Because that's what the gospel is about. Let's pray. Lord, God, I pray that you would help us to have